Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Daily Premier League news and views. This is Football Social Daily. Cristiano Ronaldo has left Manchester United with immediate effect. After his bombshell interview last week, both player and club have decided now is the right time to part ways. And in a remarkable day yesterday at Old Trafford, Ronaldo might not be the only one departing Manchester. United's owners, the Glazer family, are reportedly looking to sell the club after 17 years of controversial ownership. They say a week is a long time in football, but what about six hours? Because on the blue side of Manchester yesterday, news emerged that City are set to hand Pep Guardiola a new two-year extension to his stay at the Etihad. Great news for City fans, probably terrible news for everyone else. And what football podcast worth their salt will talk about Cristiano Ronaldo without also mentioning Lionel Messi. This was supposed to be his World Cup after all. Argentina, though, losing to Saudi Arabia. Is that the biggest World Cup shock of all time, perhaps? We'll round up the latest from Qatar as the World Cup continues a little bit later on. This is Football Social Daily, an award-winning Premier League podcast. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to hit subscribe and that way you won't miss a show going forward. My name's Niall and joining me to go through all of those talking points on today's podcast. Good morning to Marley Anderson and to Joel Tudor. Hiya, boys. Good morning. Busy day yesterday, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot going on. A lot for us to get through. I imagine you're quite pleased though, Joel. It seems like a, a pretty good day to be a Manchester United fan yesterday. I mean, as far as 48 hours go, England winning 6-2 and then obviously we'll get on to the rest of it. I don't think I've had a more better 48 hours in football than the one we've just witnessed, <laughs> but we'll get into it. I'll let my feelings go. My word, what a afternoon it was yesterday even. The, the day started off with Saudi Arabia shocking Argentina in the World Cup by winning 2-1. Lionel Messi was meant to be the, the star man of this event in Qatar, not to be so far. And talking of star men, those two, Messi and Ronaldo, have shared the stage for years now and there's always this debate about who's the best and it's quite ironic isn't it that on this podcast today we're going to be talking about both of them in some capacity Cristiano Ronaldo is where we're going to start though it's where we have to start as he has left Manchester United with immediate effect 
The club released a statement yesterday confirming the departure of their number seven by mutual consent. It brings to an end the second spell he's had at Old Trafford. It's reported that Ronaldo has allegedly taken a minimal payout to leave the club. So first of all, Marley, with all of these things in mind, does that show just how much Cristiano Ronaldo did want to leave, that this whole thing has unfolded? Yeah, I think it was it was always going to happen. It was just a case of uh, of money because both sides could have dug the heels in and said, well, you owe me this and, you know, you haven't fulfilled this, so we'll take you to court and stuff. But in reality, both sides of the party and both sides of the argument are rich enough to just go, do you know what, we'll call it quits and I'll just, I'll just find somewhere new uh, in January and... Everyone kind of wins from that situation. Ronaldo gets a new uh, challenge, whatever that may be, in January. And Man United can can put to bed this whole um, sort of saga hanging over them. You could tell, you know, from the from the word go that Eric Ten Hag was uh, was unhappy about constantly being asked about Ronaldo. You know, every press conference, every post match, every pre match. Um, so he's he's got his way. They've they've backed him, which will make him feel uh, like he's he's properly supported by the club and, you know, attention can turn to replacing him now in January because uh, that's what they need to do. Yeah, absolutely, because this leaves Manchester United one striker light. So it's an opportunity for United now to dip into the market in January and try and replace him. Well, it's a little bit unpredictable at the moment. I mean, with the ownership now slowly starting to shift, it seems, I don't know what the kind of strategy is going forward for the next six months to a year. But in this case, I think following the interview, he basically got what he wanted, basically, which is just an easy route out of the club. I think it was telling how he basically came across and said that because of his stature as a player, he shouldn't be on the bench. And the fact that he is 37, 38 in February, time's pretty much of the essence now to be playing and playing at the highest level if he can still do that. And sitting on the bench and coming on for three minutes each game, I'm sure he's going to absolutely bruise his ego more than it ever has in his entire career. So I think for both parties, it's actually come out really well because I think for United not having to compensate him or compensate him to the full last six months of his contract I think is a massive win for them because Ten Hag clearly didn't really want to use him he was basically using him as almost just a second way to get him some getting some minutes because he prefers Anthony Martial massively he plays his game massively more than Ronaldo does and I think if you asked both Ronaldo and Ten Hag how is the situation gone they both say it's actually a fair conclusion to be honest do you know what's interesting is having looked at how Eric Ten Hag set up tactically before he moved to Manchester United his Ajax teams that were successful particularly in the last 18 months before joining United they tended to play with a false nine in league matches, but in Europe they'd put Sebastian Aller in and we know how effective he was at Ajax. It got him a move to Dortmund off the back of it. And it seems like, you know, Ten Hag was doing something similar. Ronaldo is more of a conventional nine these days than a dynamic winger like he used to be. And, you know, Anthony Martial maybe has got a little bit more energy and dynamism to his game these days. And that's probably why that he didn't prefer to play him through the middle. And that's why he picked a Rashford in the Premier League. And, Ronaldo's game time was limited to the Europa League. But regardless, we talk about this being the best outcome for both parties. I think that's a fair assessment. Do you think Manchester United would have looked significantly weak and Ten Hag in general would have looked quite weak, Marley, if Cristiano Ronaldo had stayed? Was there no other option than this outcome, really? 
Yeah, I think if if you um if you somehow back Ronaldo in this situation after what he did, I mean it it wasn't even an argument, was it? Like you know, how can you how can you justify that behaviour when it's an an unsanctioned interview? Um, even that's bad enough, just an unsanctioned interview because players have the the rights and the everyone that's got to get involved. You know, if you try and interview a Premier League player, you've got to go through about five different members of staff before you even get you know, a yes on an email, never mind the person sat down. So there was the unprecedented um, uh, interview and then there was, you know, the stuff that he said. So if you if you backed Ronaldo in that, I think Ten Hag would have walked, if I'm honest. I think he's he's got that strength of character to just go, well, I'm never going to win any decision. I'm never going to be able to run the, the club as I want to. So I'll just leave. I'll just save everyone the time. Um, he seems that type of bullish guy who you don't mess with like for example if it was a Solskjaer you might have bent over and said oh well you know Cristiano's there in his grievances that a lot of us agree with or something like that but in with Ten Hag he's he's got that typical Dutch mentality of like if you if you cross me that's it you're done like he's handled Ronaldo pretty well so far I think um dropping him from the team and um when he did that um the thing when he dropped him from the Chelsea squad I think he did he miss training or something mm-hmm. or Change with or, the youth team. It was the Spurs mm. thing. Was it the Spurs thing when he refused to come off the bench and he, he dropped him from the next game and, and that was fairly dealt with. And then, you know, the, the straw that brought the camels back was was a straw that had break ten camels back, never mind uh, just the uh, the final straw for him. So that was uh, that was well dealt with in my opinion, I think. Do you think that United could have got to this conclusion without Ronaldo doing this interview? Or did it take that to take place before this outcome was reached Joel do you think that we needed some sort of propellant let's just say to try and encourage this situation to happen because for me I'm thinking here that could they not have just discussed this like adults behind the scenes rather than Ronaldo going and doing this unauthorized interview and then really giving Manchester United no option or is it in a way smart from Cristiano Ronaldo because clearly he knew that this was going to be the outcome he's not bothered about the payoff he doesn't need the money anyway let's face it so do you think this could have been resolved in a different way or did it kind of have to happen like this I think so but it just depends which side you want to believe and which story sits well with you because Ronaldo has said pretty consistently in the interview that you know he had offers and he had places to go but United didn't want to sell him and Ten Hag always came out in press conferences and said we're counting on him I really want to use him for the rest of the season it's hard to believe who in that circumstance but I think for Ronaldo it just gives him way more flexibility now because I don't believe that in the summer he had a massive amount of options purely based on the fact that the the clubs that were being named and the presidents who kept coming out and basically dismissing the links pretty much showed to me that he was being put in a corner for last summer and I would probably suggest that this was the best conclusion for him and I'm guessing he was advised by George Mendes to actually do this kind of thing because as it gets to January he might find himself in the exact same position again where no clubs want to take him at least now he has a little bit more leverage which is that if a club wants to come in for him they basically pay him a pretty decent signing on fee it'll maybe reduce his salary well, where does he go, I guess? Where is that next step, Joel? Who's the next club for Cristiano Ronaldo? Because he's now, as far as I understand it, a free agent. Where does he go? Because we're into the last 16 of the Champions League. That is in January. And we've discussed already on the show the teams that are in the last 16 either can't afford him, don't want him, maybe now off the back of the interview, certainly won't entertain it at all. 
So where does he go? Yeah, it's hard to gauge exactly what his motivations are for the next move. It just purely depends on that. If he wants to keep trying to break records in the Champions League, then I feel like it's a natural fit to go to someone who is a Champions League club, maybe Lisbon. Um, Obviously, he's been talking of Napoli in the last months, but... It all comes down to it all comes down to finances as well. A lot of these clubs cannot afford to even pay him like two months of his salary, let alone just the whole two years potentially. And from what he's been saying in the interview with Piers Morgan, I still think that the Saudi move. It sounded like he considered it, but it just doesn't. The, what's money to him at the moment? I mean, he was basically comparing his bank account to his Instagram followers. So if 350 million was being offered, I still don't believe it's something that motivates him until he really truly cannot hack it at any level in Europe. So I still think, for me personally, he will try and get a move to a Champions League club. Which one that is, I don't have a clue because I just can't gauge what his level is right now. But I still think that Chelsea with Todd Bowley is still one to watch because we've known and we've seen from his actions that he wants a little bit of a a little toy to brag to his American friends with back home and I think Ronaldo would be that kind of that kind of sign. It all feels a bit strange to me still. I mean he scored eighteen goals in the Premier League last season, which at the age of thirty seven and despite what you think about some of his performances, is a really good record. But this season he's just not been good enough for Manchester United and what does he expect? It's exactly what you're saying, Joel. What sort of club does he want to play for? Interesting you mentioned Chelsea and Todd Bowley there. Of course, he's the new owner of Chelsea Football Club. And talking of new owners, reports emerged late yesterday that Manchester United's current owners, the Glazer family, they're looking to apparently sell the club, according to these latest reports that we've been seeing over the last 24 hours or so. Incredible stuff, really. So just quickly, Joel... This is news that most Manchester United fans didn't think they would hear anytime soon, but here we are. The Glazers are thinking about selling up and leaving. Yeah, many years too late, but I think there's been so much pressure on them in the last year, you know, with the Super League failing, with the fans stopping the Liverpool game. It certainly isn't uh, a Ronaldo but- interview about the fact that the kitchen looks the same. That's not the reason they've decided to sell up, is it? Let's face it. No, I highly doubt that's the case. I mean, to put in motion that your club is for sale, it'll take months, months and months of planning. Uh, But it doesn't bear well on them that the biggest superstar in the world has publicly shamed them as owners. That must be really damaging for them publicly. Uh, They've been backed into a corner now. There's just no way to get out of this, especially after the Ronaldo interview, which has almost like solidified their position as bad owners for the first time on record so I think for for them I also believe that the Liverpool announcement just three weeks ago has 100% prompted some kind of switch in what they wanted to do because obviously with two of the biggest English clubs now basically on the market there's going to be a small number of people who can afford that and I think they probably were they were worried slightly that it may skew their prospective investors so I think now it's basically a, a, a charge for both of the clubs and now that they've publicly, publicly declared it and I see United as a bit of a unicorn club because they are probably on par with some of the American football and baseball teams in terms of their stature and historic presence that I think now they are the they're the price to buy aren't they for any big billionaire to have Manchester United is something that they own it's just something that it doesn't come around often it's a very rare opportunity so I think now the fact that they put out a statement saying that they could potentially have alternatives it's 
for me, it basically just is their declaration that they want to sell up now. They would, they've never done that in the past. If they wanted extra investment to build a stadium, it would have been on the hush and it would have been something that, you know, would have been reported here and there. The fact that it's come out officially demonstrates to me that they're ready to pack up and go. And I think it's been a decade too late. Okay, well, Joel's a Manchester United fan. Those are his thoughts. What about another one? David Scott, who's a big friend of us here on Football Social Daily, he's been having his say as well. What does he make of the fact that the Glazers could sell the club? Let's have a listen. It's 17 years overdue. Their ownership of Manchester United should never, ever been allowed to happen. We were protesting as fans before it even took off. We've been protesting ever since inside the ground, outside the ground, marches. There's been people breaking inside to Old Trafford. Them people are vilified and rightly so in my belief as owners of Manchester United because they've done nothing but take what was the greatest football club in the country, in Europe, in the world, in my eyes, and turn it into an absolute car crash. The FA owed Manchester United fans an apology. That deal was disgusting. And if you look at how they've run the club for the last 17 years, it is just decline, decline, decline. We were thankful we had Sir Alex Ferguson working miracles and a never-diminishing squad because we weren't getting the investment. You talk about Ronaldo. What happened to the money that we spent actually sending Ronaldo to Real Madrid? We replaced him with uh, Valencia and Michael Owen. It's just been an absolute disaster and they had no intention of Manchester United being the success that they used to be and I know that there's this line now where people are thanking Cristiano Ronaldo as some sort of saviour that he's the reason that the Glazers are selling I think that's absolute nonsense the reason the Glazers are selling is because they couldn't get the European Super League off the ground because they were ready to make an absolute mint if that actually happened so who are we thanking we're thanking the protesters we're thanking the fans those that for the last nearly two decades have been vocal about what they are doing to this club David Scott there passionate rant from Scotty 90 seconds Marley of just quite intense views on the ownership <laughs> of the football club over the last 17 years what did you make of that 90 seconds of the most mank accent ever wasn't it from, from Dave <laughs> uh, now he's uh, <laughs> he's a proper fan isn't he Dave you know Man United have got a lot of um, uh, a lot of people who say they're fans but they're not proper fans and Dave's been there for, for 20 odd years so well, more. Um, don't know quite how old he is, but he's definitely been going as a as a kid. Um, after speaking to him in the past, but he's um he's right, you know. I think it's frustrating. Obviously, I can share the whole um uh, sort of look at having a an owner who doesn't run the club from a success point of view. They just want to sort of milk it a little bit, you know. Mike Ashley was at Newcastle for for thirteen years and. The Glazers have been there pretty much the same time scale, isn't it? Um, give or take three, three or four years, and it started off with Ashley like sort of playing, playing to the crowd a bit and trying to get him on his side, and then um, ultimately just giving up. Whereas with the Glazers, it was always a financial move to heap the debt uh, onto the club and and take dividends every year for for doing absolutely nothing with the club. So. It was um it was coming this this day whether or not it was just a case of how it came like would they would they ever have the um the sort of goal to go right okay we're done now or whether would it would it take someone coming along and and forcing them to sell by offering them huge money or would they just run it into the ground completely um, and end up taking a huge financial loss on it and that was never going to happen with a pair of guys. Uh, well, a family like that because they're all about the they're all about the pound signs. They're all about 
you know, what, what they can do for themselves rather than the club. And, you know, I've said, said it many, many times before, if you want to turn a profit as a businessman, I don't think football is the one for you because you've got such scrutiny on what you do and you can only appease fans by spending money and putting yourself financially worse off, I suppose. Um, and in, in the in the, the faint hope that you get the the extra revenue from getting in the Champions League, winning the Champions League, winning the Premier League and you know it's it's not for everyone. Well if the Glazers do sell Manchester United for the reported six to eight billion pound asking price and they will have turned a profit and quite a handsome profit as well. And I do think the danger is when you have a business of that value, the circles of people that will be looking to take that business off your hands are certain types of people which, like we've seen at your club, Marley, Newcastle United, is owned by the Saudi Arabian state, albeit it can't be proved, but we know that that's the case. Manchester City are owned by um, the Emiratis in, in the UAE, so we know about that. So I think that certainly that ship has sailed. We can we can admit that here, but in terms of who's available in the world to spend that sort of money on a football club, you see a lot of criticism on Qatar at the moment. They own PSG. It's these sorts of people you imagine that are going to be up for buying Manchester United at this point and will that sit well with the supporters. That, of course, is a discussion for another podcast, but we are going to stay talking about Manchester this time about the blue half of Manchester. Pep Guardiola has decided to agree to a new contract. We're going to be hearing from City fan Ant McGinley after this as well. So stick around here on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back to Football Social Daily, an award-winning Premier League podcast. And the Premier League over the last, well, six years really has been dominated by one club and that club is Manchester City. They've won a number of titles. They've reached Champions League finals. Still yet to scoop that big European prize when it comes to the domestic scene with the League Cup and the FA Cup and, of course, the top flight title. They have been the ones dominating the picture. And that's largely due to Pep Guardiola, the former Bayern Munich and Barcelona manager, was criticised when he first touched down in England in 2016 people said he might not be able to do it Marley he might not be able to be as successful in England this is the Premier League after all he's put paid to all of that over the last few years and now he looks like he's on the verge of signing a two-year contract extension so like I said in the intro terrible news for all the other clubs but great news if you're a Man City fan yeah well it's been announced this morning they've, they've made it official um on the social channels it's all come out and uh 
Yeah, I think if you if you listen very quietly, uh, very carefully, and the the wind isn't as uh, is pointing in the right direction, I think you can hear the the cries of Jurgen Klopp coming from down the M62 <laughs> because there's there's talk about you know um, Klopp sort of <laughs> not quite fancying it as much. Maybe he might f- be tempted to move on. I think he always was um, was waiting to see. Waiting for Pep to move first, either whether he, he leaves or stays. Um, and then you've got today's announcement that that uh, Pep's here for another two years. And, you know, it's uh, it just sets the bar even higher for everyone else, I suppose. They're always the team to catch. Um, albeit with Arsenal top of the league now, I don't think there's anyone in the country that doesn't expect Man City to, to drag them in and, and suffocate them at some point. Um, but yeah, it's uh, another two years of ridiculous football and, and everyone trying to catch them. Pep Guardiola till 2025. Let's hear what a Man City fan thinks. Big friend of the show. Ant McGinley's here. All right, Ant. What a terrible day to be a Man City fan. Oh, <laughs> dear, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Yes. How are you feeling about that news? That's big news. You know what? I I, I was talking to somebody about this and they, they read this article, which had a very controversial term, but I think they might be right. I think it's Alex Brotherton wrote this and he said that this could be a more important signing this season for City as a club than Erling Haaland. And, uh, why, why, why is that? Why do you think well, that might if, be? If, if you look at it, I think, you know, w- with a player, you always run the risk of, they're more at risk of injury and you're only going to get a couple seasons from them at, at, in terms of being on great form as well. It's very rare that we get a player that's going to be with a club for uh, five, six years that is on supreme form the entire time. And also, when you look at what the return is to the club in terms of what Guardiola brings, and I, you know, his wage is reported to be like twenty million plus. I mean, probably enough that he could afford to buy United if that sale goes ahead, which might just be the reason why he's decided to extend the contract after all. Um, but you know, in terms of like what he's done for City, and obviously we'd had success before uh, he came in. You know, uh, when I mean, remember when when the the club was bought. Mark Hughes was in charge, you know, he was the manager there and we've gone through Mancini, Pellegrini, uh, Guardiola has come in, but, you know, the, there's been a blueprint put in place since Guardiola came, uh, since, since before he came in, that they, they ran his system through the youth team, so people like Phil Foden were already playing in the Guardiola style when, when he came along, and the club has been built around, they focused on him, they've got him, and it makes sense to keep him for as long as they can. And when you look at that return, you said a number. Can I just put a number on that? Nine trophies in six years, um, which I'm sure Marley would grab with both hands. I mean, let's be honest, Joel would grab with both hands at the minute. <laughs> I mean, that, that's that's more trophies than, than I was going to say, than United and Newcastle have won in the last 10 years. But... Uh, yeah, let's just leave Newcastle out of that. Sorry, Marley. Yeah, notice you said uh, last 10 years and not next 10 years. Quaking in your boots what, there, you know, Ant. Quaking. The, the, the interesting thing as well is, though... You're like, knackered when he goes. What? what, what yeah, and, and you know what? That might actually be part of the theory behind it because, you know, it, but he's built such a blueprint in terms of people talk about the impact that he's had on the Premier League. Look at the team that's top of the Premier League right now. Who's running that? It's a Pep Guardiola clone, mm. and he's brought in three, uh, three, uh, <laughs> you know, players from City as well. And so, the, you know, the, there's something going on there. And I, I honestly think that it, part of the reason maybe who do they go to next? 
you know, in, in terms of, you know, I'm sure there is a plan and I'm sure they've got somebody lined up. And, and when you look over the last few years in terms of the transfers that we've brought in, the players we brought to the club, there's a lot of work that's gone into that. And we've had very few failures in that respect. And so I imagine there's a lot of work going into whoever is going to be the Pep Guardiola successor. And it might be that they're not ready for that yet, or it might just be that... Bear in mind, Pep is, is an anomaly. He's the only manager that gets to choose when he leaves and pretty much where he goes as well. That that doesn't happen. I mean, the, the, the life of a... One guarantee you have as a Premier League manager is, you know, within one month of being on a high, you could be out of the club. I don't think that applies to Pep Guardiola, not just in the Premier League, but in any league that he's managed in. And, and maybe that's a little bit of propaganda, which I've been dying to use that word for a while. <laughs> <laughs> and also, can we just confirm that uh, Ant called Mikel Arteta a Pep Guardiola clone and not Pep Guardiola clown, which I just wanted to make sure <laughs> we got across before we annoy any Arsenal fans. I saw it quite nicely described on social media by one City fan and as being with a girlfriend who you know is way out of your league, you know it's going to end at some point, but you're just enjoying the ride while it lasts. Is there an element of that? Because Marley, joking aside, just said that, you know, you're knackered when Pep Guardiola goes. Do you think that there's this understanding amongst City fans within that when he does leave and whoever that successor might be that you've just spoken about, it is unlikely to be as successful as it is now. We've seen what's happened in the past. We've seen when Sir Alex Ferguson left Manchester United, what happened there. We saw when Arsene Wenger left Arsenal, it tailed off quite quickly. So is there an understanding in and amongst the City fan base that you need to enjoy Pep Guardiola while you've got him? Because he does have this legendary status and the likelihood is when he does leave, whether that's in 2025 or beyond, things aren't going to be as good. It's, it's a fair mm. comment to I, make. I don't think things are going to drop off a cliff. When, when Guardiola leaves and and I, I think the way the club has been built and, and everything that's gone into it uh, no one player or, or the manager leaving is going to change that and, and if you look at what we've got now since Guardiola came in the only player that remains is Kevin De Bruyne that refreshing has gone on however having said that I do fully appreciate that these are halcyon days these are incredible times to be a Manchester City fan and when when City fans say we are in dreamland, we also realise that one day we are going to wake up. We are going to wake up and that dream is going to be over. And you look around, like Newcastle are flying, Arsenal are incredible this season. And, you know, potentially, you know, there's other big clubs out there, Liverpool, Tottenham, mm. Brighton. I'm just trying to say every club it's Why, why United. do you think he's decided to stay then? <laughs> why do you think he's decided to sign on for another two years? What is it? Because a couple of years ago, there were talks of him potentially leaving when the contract was at an end and then it became clear that he was actually quite open to staying and it's kind of flipped and flopped at times over the last couple of years I'd say in particular so why do you think he's chosen now to stay at Manchester City for another two years what what's made that decision final for him I think whatever's made that decision I'm not going to question it I'm going to welcome it um, <laughs> I, but perhaps it could be you know similar to the conversation you were having earlier about Ronaldo where does he go now I think that's a an issue that Guardiola has got it's not just a case of in terms of a challenge uh, but it's also in resources and who, who can back him to that extent and I'm sure if, if any club had that backing you know that they would throw the money at him but I think he's 
he's been part of something and he's building a real legacy. You know, if, if he sees this contract out and I think there's an option for another year extension at the end of it, just to, uh, you know, make Jurgen Klopp cry a little bit more. But um, if he does that, he would have then been at City, I think, twice as long as he was at Barcelona. Yeah, and, 10 years. You know, yeah. and, and, and that's that's incredible. And, you know, we, we can't really ask for more. And whatever happens in that time, you know, he has... And also look at the fact that, you know, that's an unheard length of time in the Premier League these days. You know, even getting to the length of time that he is there, very few managers make it to that point. But I think perhaps, you know, there is looking at leaving a real legacy and and putting his mark on it. And undoubtedly, his mark will be on this team and this club for for the rest of our living memories. I think that's fair to say. Only four other men have been at a club in England at the moment longer than Pep Guardiola. One of them is Jurgen Klopp, who's of course been at Liverpool for just over seven years. And then you're going down into the lower reaches with Gareth Ainsworth and John Coleman of Wickham and Accrington respectively, but leading the way with 13 years and 184 days as manager of Harrogate Town in League Two is Simon Weaver. So he's got a little bit of time left yet, Pep Guardiola, before he catches up with him. Just finally then, City of almost regenerated themselves under Pep Guardiola in recent times. We've seen the phasing out of Vincent Company, of David Silva, of Sergio Aguero, and now we're seeing the introduction of the likes of Ruben Diaz, of the likes of Rodri, and now, of course, Erling Haaland. So that isn't an easy task to do as a manager. Sir Alex Ferguson, we mentioned him earlier on in the podcast, from the red half of Manchester, was very, very good at doing that, continually regenerating the squad over a period of time. City are starting to do that. We've already seen them do that. Do you think then with that in mind and how tough that can be for a manager and how ruthless the Premier League is, if it gets to 2025 and then they extend it till 2026, do you think that that will be it for Pep? Because the last time we had this conversation two years ago, people were saying 2022, that'll be it for Pep. And now he's here for another two, maybe three years. I think the thing is, it's really difficult for, for anybody to sit here and, and work out exactly what he thinks. Because when you look at his career, you know, he he ran away with everything at, at Barcelona. He picked that he was going to go to Bayern Munich. and uh, But in between that, took a year out just to go to New York and and spent the time learning German. His family wanted to live in New York and he, and he did that. And so this is a guy that, as obsessed as he is with football, I think he's also, weirdly, it sounds weird to say this, but he's also quite balanced in his approach to life. And I think at some point he, he, he he's going to say, I'm going to either take another break or I'm going to do something different or, you know, perhaps he's going to say, this is it. I've, what else can I do? I'm going to retire. And great to speak to you. Don't forget, you can catch Anne on the Wrestling with the Champ podcast, which Woo! is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. And you've got some exciting plans um, with the Champ, haven't you, mate? Yeah, I, I can't say it's as big news in terms of uh, being signed by uh, Man City or deals as big as that. But yeah, we've got a live show which have been taken around. We just did one in Leicester. And uh, we're going to be back at the Leicester Comedy Festival. We did the Edinburgh Fringe this year, and there are more live shows to come. Which, if you've listened to the podcast, it's a really interesting uh, and challenging job to turn that around into a live show. <laughs> well, if you're a fan of wrestling and you're a fan of comedy, Wrestling with the Champ is the podcast for you. So go and check it out. And great to speak to you, mate. Catch you soon. Thanks, guys. Bye. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? 
they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back to Football Social Daily, final part of today's podcast. We've spoken about Manchester United, we've spoken about Manchester City, but now we're going to leave the Premier League to one side and we're going to talk about the FIFA World Cup. It kicked off in Qatar on Sunday as the host nation played Ecuador and that game left a fair bit to be desired, but certainly England didn't let anyone down in a thrilling game which finished 6-2 as they managed to see off Iran. Wales and the United States did battle later on that day, though, and that game finished one apiece between America and the Welsh. Is that the best possible result for England, Joel? Because it looks like a win over the United States later on this week will be enough for the three Lions to go through to the knockout stages already. Yeah, that's what I like about the groups is that if you win your first game, basically the next game takes you through straight away. You don't need to be in the situation that, for example, Argentina find themselves in, which is potentially needing to beat Mexico to actually get through. So I think that first game, especially for England, it just shows because we've seen it in so many different World Cups where you take for granted how difficult these games are because every single nation truly believes they can win it. And as we saw with the Saudi Arabia game just yesterday, they were playing as if their lives were depending on it and were trying to win the whole tournament. Like that, That's how they approach it every single game, these smaller nations. And with England, you know, we took for granted beating Panama, what was it, 6-1 in the last World Cup, and we took for granted beating these more minnow teams because in the past, I remember struggling against Algeria in South Africa and it was a very horrible watch. And now we're seeing them truly just look comfortable on the world stage, I think is the best way to describe it. They're just playing with a bit of freedom and no pressure. I think pressure is a big one, especially for countries. Um, So yeah, they're in a massively strong position now. I fully expect them to get out of the group as group winners, which I think we all deserve to give them credit for because, you know, coming into this tournament, really bad Nations League, there was a lot of downer on the side after two pretty progressive tournaments so to now be in such a strong position I think you have to give Southgate credit yet again because he goes into seemingly every tournament with his back against the wall despite his previous progression progression so let's see but um it could end up being a really nice matchup with France I don't want to count all my eggs or um, all my, oh, wait, I always get this quote wrong. all my chickens before they've hatched but um I think I think England can go toe-to-toe with some of the best of these teams in this tournament, I'm convinced. Well, Gareth Southgate has now won more knockout stages in big tournaments as England manager than any other previous England manager in history. So in terms of giving him a pat on the back, I think you're right, he does deserve it. As we mentioned, Marley, the other game in that group, Group B, finished United States 1, Wales 1, a late Gareth Bale penalty enough to secure the draw for Wales, who looked much better in the second half, with the United States looking the stronger team in the first half. So... Out of the two sides, who impressed you the most between the US and Wales? Um, I, th- I thought the game was was uh, summed up when when we were talking about it on uh, on the second podcast on Monday's Monday's feed. You know, um, I said that it's going to be a really tight game because Wales aren't very good, but they somehow somehow drag something out of somewhere every time. 
Um, and that's what happened that that first half. America just passed them off the pitch. It was it was complete dominance really, and, and probably fortunate to be one nil um, to uh, to USA at the time. But I thought um, Rob Page, the uh, the Wales manager, did really well because um, he said after the game, look. We were getting, uh, we couldn't press them because they were too good at passing. Um, so we put Kiefer Moore on, and we went over the press, and we went up to the big man, and and won it, won, he won his knockdowns, and we we played off him a bit, and that he caused chaos, didn't he? Really, because you're right. He said in yeah. the interview he took Dan James off, who is you know a fast winger who probably isn't really suited to the aerial battle. You bring on Kiefer Moore, who will just batter you for ninety yeah. minutes, and that's exactly what they did. And the United States defense struggled with that. Yeah, that's. Um... That's exactly what what happened. That's what that's what Kiefer Moore brings you as, a, you know, as a, as a option off the bench or whatever. It's it's um, there's no no nothing fancy about his game. He's just he's like an Andy Carroll almost regen. Um, Do you know what's he's... funny is I watched Kiefer Moore play up front for Dorchester Town about ten years ago <laughs> <laughs> in a random conference south game with my uh, mm. with my uncle and uh, now he's playing in the World Cup so yep. it's quite a remarkable career that he's had in general yeah it's a long uh, long route not long route to the top you know you can go back there and tell him he's going to be playing a guitar in 10 years time and in the Premier League and, and scoring a few goals for, for Bournemouth he'd never have believed you but it's um it's funny I mean the one thing that I, I can't st- can't stand about him is the fact that he said this week, uh, "I can't wait to put England out the uh, out the World Cup with Wales." Even though he was born in Torquay, has never played football in Wales, and has a he played a Wales... for Cardiff, didn't he? To be fair, so oh, did he? We'll set that right, yeah. So well, well, I know what you, I know what you mean. Doesn't make him English or uh, Welsh, does it? Well, I lived <laughs> in Cardiff I mean? and I'm not Welsh, so I know what you mean. I absolutely. <laughs> hey, know. you could have maybe you can play for the Wales national team. But... <laughs> yeah, he's got he's got to be thankful for his grandma going to uh, going to Wales and finding a Welsh husband uh, back in the day. Well, that's the lay of the land in Group B, England's group. England are top with the three points. Iran bottom, of course, pointless. And the United States and Wales sharing a point each in their opening group stage game. And England play the United States on Friday, I believe. So that's a a big match for both teams as they look to try and secure passage to the knockout stages. It would be a bit of a shock, really, if England don't qualify, but nowhere near as much of a shock as Saudi Arabia beating Argentina 2-1 a couple of days ago and I can't you know what I I can't even think whether it was a couple of days ago or whether it was yesterday because we've had all of these games like 10 o'clock 1 o'clock 4 o'clock 7 p.m I think it was yesterday morning around about the time we're recording the podcast now Um, but it was such a remarkable win Jill that Saudi Arabia have declared a national public holiday following the result today I mean, lots of people's favourites for the tournament has been Argentina. It's been Messi. We've spoken about this is going to be his crowning glory. The one trophy he doesn't have is an international trophy with uh, Argentina. But they were beaten by, let's face it, a footballing minnow. Yeah, you can see the magnitude of it when Bin Salman, the crown prince, is letting everyone have a day off today. Uh, It's just... When I watched the game, it just felt to me, and I think some of the pundits actually echoed it, which is that they went into the game thinking it was a done conclusion before they even touched the ball. It was just, in the first half, they probably should have finished them off. I think they had three, two or three offside goals, but regardless, they're offside. Saudi Arabia played an incredible offside trap where it was so organised. And let's not forget their manager. He's already won two AFCON titles were Argentina poor? Yeah, second half they were shocking. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to say straight away because it's, it's, it's very early days yet, and they will probably start to come strength to strength soon. But 
they just have zero midfield and defence. It's been the case for the last 15 years now. They're so top-heavy, it's a joke. And, you know, the fact that... Um, their manager opted for a washed Otamendi over Martinez, who has had an unreal start. Yeah, I think we should mention, though, the winning goal for oh, Saudi Arabia, because what a strike. Seriously sensational, honestly. I think you, you've just got to get, like I mentioned in the in a few minutes ago, it's the fact that these nations are truly playing their lives in terms of trying to get a result. And I felt like with Argentina, they thought turn, just turning up was enough to beat them. There was a little bit of arrogance about them, I, th- I felt, where, you know, after the first goal, they were slowing the game down, really bringing the tempo to their pace. And Saudi Arabia were not going to, you know, give up. This is their moment. It, it, any Anyone can make history in a moment in the World Cup. And they acknowledge that. And the fact that their play with the second goal, maybe one of the goals of the tournament, that was beautiful. It almost reminded me of... Uh, what was the remind me of the Wales player who did the Cruyff turn against Belgium? Robson Carney was it? <laughs> yeah. In the Euros. Just had shades of that. <laughs> I thought uh, Robson Carney was a really underrated player and he's actually doing punditry for the BBC during this World Cup. I, I actually quite like Robson Carney. But um, in terms of where this ranks, I can't think from the World Cups I've watched. And obviously because they're every four years, Marley, it's not exactly lows that I've got to pick from. But I can't remember a bigger shock result in World Cups in my lifetime than that one. Uh, no, I, I can't either. I thought, especially the way the first half went, it wasn't as if uh, Argentina didn't turn up for the whole game. It, you know, I think when when that first goal goes in and then five more get disallowed in that first half, it's kind of like, well, this is... At some point, they're going to get tired and, and make that split-second mistake, which will um, play someone onside and they won't get the offside trap right, but... It just didn't happen. And then second half, I mean, Argentina were absolutely woeful. You never thought you never thought they were gonna break through. I I didn't anyway. I think uh, the way they sort of approached the game was was bizarre. Um you know, playing opposite footed wingers like Di Maria on the right is like he's he's never gonna cross it in first time and stretch the defence. He has to come back and when you've got nine players in the box for, for Saudi, they're just gonna head it away. They're gonna head it away ahead of Lautaro Martinez and Messi, they're not going to win headers. It's, it's, it was uh, a bizarre sort of approach in the second half from, from Argentina because they had him on, on strings in the first and Saudi Arabia did really, really well to to uh, to snatch it and to win it with an absolute beauty as well. The only other bigger shock result I can think of would have been when host nation South Korea got to the semi-finals of the 2002 World Cup 20 years ago. They beat Portugal in the group stages, they beat Spain in the quarterfinals, and they lost in the end to Germany, I think, in the semi-finals. But in the last 16, they beat Italy 2-1. Yeah, Aung Jung Hwan. Yes. And (laughs) look at the squad that Italy have got here. Buffon, Gattuso, Del Piero, Vieri, Maldini, Zanetti, Zambrotta, Totti, Inzaghi, Cannavaro, like iconic Italian names. And they got beaten by South Korea, which was a, a major result 20 years ago. But this one from Saudi Arabia, absolutely up there. So well done to Saudi Arabia, who beat Argentina by two goals to one. And also yesterday in the late game, Australia looked like they could shock France as they took the lead in that evening kickoff. But in the end, it was 4-1 to the world champions. Giroud and Mbappe amongst the goals as they pulled back the deficit and ended up going on to win the game. I don't think a team has defended the World Cup since the 1960s when Brazil won it back-to-back in 58 and 62. It's not happened for a long time, Joel, for 
a team to defend their crown as world champions. 2018, they won the tournament. Are they still the team to beat four years on from Russia in Qatar 2022, based on what we saw yesterday? Well, in the first 20 minutes, I was massively worrying for them because Australia were playing such beautiful football. I think Moy was looking like Xavi uh, for the first 10 minutes, <laughs> the way he was just c- 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 completely controlling the game in the midfield. And I was thinking in that moment, my God, Kante really was you know, the martyr for that side in terms of just being the person who chopped up balls. And I didn't know sure many would would be able to basically take that mantle off him. But when you've got players like Mbappe, and let's not forget Giroud, Olivier Giroud deserves so much credit for the fact that he's now equal Thierry Henry's international record for France. I think it's 50, is it 51 goals, which is just an incredible, like come on Giroud is almost a laughing stock at Arsenal at times and the fact that he's equal Thierry Henry's record you have to give him so much credit for that and he went to Chelsea as well after Arsenal for a couple of years and scored goals there and almost under the radar and I think we did a podcast Marley a couple of years ago around Christmas time where we were kind of discussing who's the most underrated Premier League player ever and I can't remember whether Giroud came out on top of the list or not, but he was certainly in the conversation. He's just turned 36. We talk about Cristiano Ronaldo being 37 and can he still do it? No one seems to question this guy's age. Six foot four, stays fit, scores goals for AC Milan now, scored goals for Chelsea and for Arsenal. I mean, this guy's been doing it consistently for a number of years. And, you know, here he is on the biggest stage of all in the absence of Karim Benzema, the best player in the world, according to the Ballon d'Or. And he's still banging in the goals. Yeah, he's um, he's yeah, massively underrated. There's that thing of uh, do you uh, are you still underrated if everyone says you're underrated because he's kind of everyone sort of labels him as underrated. But in my opinion, he is because uh, uh, you know the way he was he was not fully embraced. I don't think at Arsenal. Um, I don't think they realised what a good striker he was. Um, probably comparing him to Van Persie and Henri before him, which is a you know, a ridiculous um, sort of pedestal to, to compare anyone with. But, you know, the, the guy has been banging them in for, you know, a decade now, you know, maybe slightly more than a decade because he didn't get to, um, I don't think he made his France debut till he was 25. Um, ended up, you know, he was scratching around in the lower leagues. I think he read last night he was playing for Grenoble in, you know, when he was 21, 22. And, you know, talked about Kiefer Moore before playing for Dorchester Town. It's not quite that low, but, you know, the heights he's hit is is the highest you can possibly get to. You know, he's uh I think his goals back in I think it's two thousand ten, eleven, won Montpellier the 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 League One title. Um and they, that was like a Leicester City style story. Montpellier with uh, Giroud and Remy Cabella in the in the team were um took it to everyone in France and won the league, ended up getting in the Champions League and stuff and then tailing off and from then on, he's he's been at the, the highest level: Arsenal, Chelsea, AC Milan, and France. And he's he's banged them in wherever he's been. Um, and he's uh, he's he's very um, he's he's up there basically. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll be next talking about World Cup action on Friday here on Football Social Daily because it is England against the United States. We'll be here with all of the build-up to that 7pm UK time kickoff. So make sure you hit subscribe to the podcast and that way you will not miss it. Cheers for listening. This is Football Social Daily. That's it from myself, Joel and Marley. And we'll catch you next time. See you then. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.